podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Scarlet's Fever, the home of Sospan Central and Westerer is Besterer. Hello and welcome to this week's Scarlet's Fever with me, Lee G, and joining me without the flat cap is Hugh. Evening, Hugh. I'm a beret man now. I wear berets. <laughs> uh, yeah, good evening, mate. Good to be back. Been up since silly o'clock this morning doing my uh, doing my journey back, but I'm, I'm glad to be home now, seeing the cat and etc. Are you expecting any sympathy off me at all for? Traveling home from France. How hot was it in France this morning? Uh, so it's not been daft hot. It's not been daft hot. Uh, it was. It got up to twenty seven, twenty eight yesterday. Sad life, isn't it? Sad life. But yeah. So um, Martin can't be with us this week. So me and you are just going to crack on, and hopefully Martin will be back next week. So. Yeah, normally we do just to start with, we do, you know, tell us about your week and all of that kind of stuff. So I've had a boring week. I've done bugger all. So tell me about France, Hugh. <laughs> tell us yeah. about. So um, we, uh, me and the girlfriend planned this trip uh, a little while ago. Um, she's got a family friend who owns an apartment in uh, a place called San Rafael slash Fréjus. It's two sort of places that are right next to each other. And I there's this there's like a it's not an estuary but there's like a thing that's not quite a river a canal i suppose it is and one side of it is san rafael and one side of it is Fréjus. and i'm not sure which one we were on I, I, anyway <laughs> so we were there if anybody's like picturing some kind of penthouse in paris kind of thing it wasn't that it was very nice and we were very very lucky to be there but it don't we're not this isn't <laughs> we're not that kind of lifestyle um but it was it was great. So we went down and got tickets to go to Nice to see Scotland versus Tonga. People asking me why I didn't go to Leon. <laughs> we we had the location for the apartment that we could go to first, and then we we managed to get hold of tickets to go to a game to support that. So that was great. I have to say that I can see why if you were a pro rugby player or if you're any kind of a good rugby player and you get a phone call from Toulon or Leon or whoever it is, and they say, hey, come play for us, we'll pay you loads of money, and you go for a visit, I can see how you could go, yeah, all right, yeah, this, this seems like <laughs> I, a good idea. I've no need to go home, I'll just stay. Yeah. It's the selling it to the missus that, that I, <laughs> I think it must be the funny bit, when the players go, right, I've had this offer from a club, they're going to pay me loads of money, but we do have to go and live on the south of France and the Mediterranean coast. Hmm. You've packed the bag already. Okay, right. Okay. <laughs> Where'd she go? She's, she's gone. No. Where, who closed yeah. that door? Just, just, do you not want to think about it? You know, after we get, the, the, yeah, get, get, get my ass on the plane. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll go. So, yeah, so yeah, I could see if I was a rugby player in Toulon, call me up. Uh, I, I think I'd, I'd be on the plane pretty sharpish, to be honest, or, or to lose. It, it was interesting actually because it is rugby is definitely bigger in that part of the world than it is in England, mm. for sure. So I was going round wearing, I wore my my France jersey on the first day and I wore my two two long jersey a couple of days after that. And I had people give me the thumbs up like, oh yeah, I like it. And so, <laughs> but the slightly awkward thing is it went a bit too well, and all the everyone's was speaking to me in French and was making conversation with me about rugby. And I obviously don't speak French. And mm. it wasn't just like the waiters were seeing me in the cafe or whatever it is in the rugby jersey. Randomers on the street and other people in the cafes and things were coming up to me and striking up conversations about rugby in French. And I just have to go, je ne parle pas français, pardon, pardon. And they're like, oh. Like one one bloke particularly looked mortally offended by the fact that I was wearing a France jersey but couldn't speak a word of French. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it was very nice. One thing I will say about the place we went though, I've never been to a place that wanted tourists less. Like you go, this is going to sound daft. It's going to sound daft, but everyone there was French. Now it was in France, so that's all, but you go to somewhere like Majorca or you go somewhere like other holiday places in. 
Italy or wherever it is. And most people there, like the expectation is that you aren't from there. But everyone in this particular village, well, village town, wherever it is, port, was French. Like all the other customers, everybody else there was French. We were the odd ones out being tourists. So mm. no one spoke English to us the whole time we were there. And it was, those are typically French things, like all the restaurants closed at lunchtime. <laughs> and I went to multiple restaurants uh, for lunch and had waiters tell us, no, we're shut. And I'm like, what do you mean you're shut? It's lunchtime. And I'm like, no, 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 we're, we're not serving you. Go away. Like, oh, right. <laughs> okay. So yeah, had a Mackey's one day. Um, so that that would that's the kind of luxurious lifestyle it was. But yeah, no, I'm complaining, and there's nothing to complain about. I did spend lots of time out in the sunshine. I uh, didn't get to go to Toulon because the train ticket cost too much. Uh, yeah, but, but did but, get to go to Tunis. Yeah, call me. So, see now, when you said you were going to France. And you were going, you were going to be up there, and you were watching a game on Sunday. And I was like, "Oh, fair play, <laughs> you know, cracking! He's 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 going to have a great time." And then you end up watching the Scotland Tonga game, and I was a bit like, "Ah, oh, okay, why is that?" <laughs> it, yeah. it confused me for a little while. I'll be honest with you, mate. But it looked like a good game. The the, the Scotland game looked like a good game. It was a fun game to be at. It was great to see Tonga because I had never seen Tonga before. Uh, the We'll come on to it later, but the annoying thing was is I did the maths in my head and I was like, right, it takes us however long to get there and then the game will be this long and then it'll take us however long to get back. So I thought, oh, great, I'll miss the Wales game because I hate watching Wales these days. <laughs> <laughs> I get so stressed. So I thought, oh, if I'm driving, I can't even check the score. Mm-hmm. So I, I rented it. We, we rented a car which was a whole experience on its own, driving in France and things and the, dealing with the car hire people. But I thought, I'll miss the score. But I got the maths wrong in my head because it starts at 8 o'clock UK time. I'm checking BBC Sport for the kickoff times and it's all in English time. But I'm in France. So the games don't start till 9pm. So mm. I bloody watched. I got back and I was like, oh, I've only missed the first 15 minutes of the Wales game. Bugger, I'm going to have to put this on. So yeah, I put it on. But fortunately, I didn't see Australia score a single point. So that was nice. See, it's stuff like that. When you say stuff like that and you think, yeah, actually, after after 20 minutes, they didn't actually score at all. It was really, really good. But we'll get on to the Australia game later. We, we really will. We really, but what I will say about the Wales-Australia game now is I judge my games by um, my supply of Pringles and beer. So I'm a stress eater and a stress drinker, and I know I am. And I shouldn't. I should take all of the crisps away, and but if I'm not, then I, I'll just I'll find something to eat, just because that's how I, I I get through a game. Sometimes I got through in the whole game three quarters of a bottle of beer and less than half a bottle of, uh, a box of Pringles. That's how comfortable that game was. I was other than the first. Kind of five ten minutes where I was screaming at the the, the screen and, and go yes this is fantastic, and then the rest of it was just this shit <laughs> Australia <is> shit. <laughs> I'm quite enjoying this. My my wife was explaining Schadenfreude to me and I go I don't care. <laughs> I really don't care. Anyway, sport is all about Schadenfreude. Sport, yeah, Schadenfreude is an important part of sport, and I won't apologize yeah. for it. No, exactly. There, there, there were bits where. Just stupid passes were being dropped, and I was laughing my head off. On my my on my fourteen year old daughter, who is very, you know, you have to treat people with kindness and respect, Dad, and all this kind of stuff. And she's going, "Don't laugh at him. He might he might be very upset." I go, no, "Don't talk him. I don't care." <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So let's 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 talk some scarlet stuff briefly before we wander back around to the Australia game because. We're at that point of the season where there's nothing much going on. All the sign-ins have been done. Uh, nobody's injured because nobody's played for God knows how long. Uh, so they're basically just training. But then there's no real games to talk about because that's still away in the distance. So there's like no news coming out of the Scarlet this week at all. I think there's a press conference on Thursday. Um so really, all we've got is we're playing Cardiff on Friday in Cardiff. 
and we we don't know what kind of team is going to turn up. We don't know what kind of game it's going to be. Uh, yeah, it'll be whatever it'll be. So, what are you hoping for? If you if you were going to the game on Friday, which I'm assuming neither of us are, what would you um what would you be hoping to see from the Scarlets on Friday? So obviously at the moment the Scarlets in every Welsh region has got a reduced squad. Although we don't have as many people with Wales as we used to. We've obviously got a very difficult start to the season going down to South Africa. I'd like to see the big difference that I want to see from the Scarlets compared to what we've had from last season is what I want to see this season is I want to see a consistent 15 out on the pitch week to week where, okay, I know you have to rotate some players, but I want to see us put out a 15 and not get 20 injuries and six red cards and blah, 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 and people dropping out of form. So I'd like to see what Dwayne Peel's idea is of the team that's going to be playing out in South Africa, and I'd like to see that 23 involved, and I just want to see them working on it. Because like you say, we've got new signings. We've actually got a, a surprisingly large number of new signings considering mm. so i'd like to see those guys playing together i want to see Plumtree getting minutes i want to see uh alex craig the new second row getting minutes i want to see how john fox is progressing um yeah i i'd, I'd like to see i don't want to see like academy kids to be honest uh, we've there's obviously it, academy is a different discussion of things that structures they're putting into place in Welsh rugby is a different thing with academy players but I don't I don't really want to see ki- kids that we're not going to see play in the URC play in these friendlies I'd like to see us get a team get some cohesion going get some relationships get some patterns going and just build because it like I said it's a very very difficult start to the season and I don't want to be five games in and we haven't won a game and mm. the season's over before it's even begun so that, that's what I'd be looking for. How about you, mate? Yeah, I mean, I know what you mean about the start of the season. I, I actually see the trip down to South Africa as a massive opportunity. I think if you're gonna if you're gonna play against South African sides, this is the time of year to do it when when they're without their big stars and they they are still a little bit cold. So we've beaten both sides that we're we're gonna go and play, or albeit over here. And yeah, they haven't recruited particularly massively, you know. So they're in a they're a bit more stable, I guess, because we lost a few players. But I think the core of our squad is actually quite strong. So yeah, I mean, I I would I would like to see on on Friday. I would like to see the the opening front row of Samson Lee, Ken Owens, and Win Jones. <laughs> I think if if those are the first three names on the on the team sheet, I think Cardiff are going. I uh, um, we'll we'll play from half time. We'll play the second yeah. half. Boys, you you play the first. But um, yeah. Uh, so the the guy who played hooker last week, Sean 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 Evans. Sure, yeah, the converted back rower. I, I I've only seen highlights, but yeah. um, from what I saw in the highlights, he was just everywhere he just seemed to be in frame all the time so yeah um, it was a really powerful carry for his try mm, from the highlights yeah yeah and I think it's time for people like him to put his hand up and say yeah I'm coming through because you know you've got Ken Owens here you've got Ryan Elias to come back so I actually think it's a really good opportunity for him to put his hand up and show what he can do similarly I think you yeah. and Shenton uh, this is his season. I think this will be the season we will see Shenton come through at six, um, and, and I'm I'm actually really looking forward to that. I think the interesting position that we've got this year is number eight, and whether we see Fafita at eight mm. more now. Now that we've recruited more kind of out and out second rows that can play at a higher level, whether we see Fafita at eight more, whether we see Tuapalotu come through. Or whether we see Ben Williams come through, you know. So I think that's a really interesting competition because they're very different kind of players, um, and it'll be interesting to see how that that back row position works itself out. 
So, but yeah, I, I, you know, I'd quite like to see some of the players who maybe aren't, you know, people like Shenton who had a bit of a run, but they haven't had a consistent run. And what we saw last year when we went through the red card thing, where we we had to throw to a blow to win, and. By his second game, actually, he was looking comfortable. By his third game, he was looking really good. So maybe using this game and the game against the Dragons to actually stick with, like you say, a core of players that we know are going to come through mm. at some point this season. Because I think that's we're going to get injuries. We're going to we're going to be in a position where we're down to the bare bones, and we're going to be right. We'll have a quick flick through the book. Let's see if we can find somebody who can play 13. Because all of our 13s are injured and see if somebody who, who's on the wing can play at 13. Or, yeah. so, you I know, think that... your, man from, your man from Llandovery might uh, block Dwayne Peel's phone number, I think, at some point during the <laughs> season. Because Dwayne Peel's like, uh, could I please borrow a hooker? You mean the hooker <laughs> that you released last season is now our first choice? Yes, yeah. please could we have Yeah, him? we'll have him. Um, yeah. The, yeah, I agree. I agree with guys like Shenton and um, Ben Williams if if they're going to break through and be the guys. It's an interesting point. Obviously, we're gonna we're gonna do a podcast in a couple of weeks' time, looking at the squad and previewing the season from that point of view. It's interesting a point about Fafita because obviously we've got Plumtree now, and and they're very similar, very mm-hmm. similar players. Fafita's been playing. Eight for Tonga until he's got his red card at the weekend, doing Scarlet's <laughs> proud. Uh, but I think both Plumtree and, and Fafita, their best position is six for both of them. Mm. But Fafita obviously played all of last season for us in the second row next to Lousy, which Tonga seemed to have had no interest in playing him at. They played his brother, um, Havili Fafita, I want to say. Something like that. Um, begins with H, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, been playing him there, so it's kind of we've got a, we've got a lot of hi- hybrid players, which is very modern, which is very in vogue for the game. I mean, look at what South Africa do; they've got all hybrid forwards and things. So I, I would expect Fafita probably to be initially used as a number eight, but then obviously that push, pushes Carwin to Pilotu out of the team, although. I he hasn't quite yet set the world alight like I was expecting him to. How old mm. is how old is Tuipilotu? No. I think he's only about twenty-two. You know, okay. he's, he's he's not like for for a back row player, you'd expect somewhere between twenty-four and thirty to be peak kind of back row. You get the odd freak that comes through a bit earlier, but. On the whole, you know, somewhere between 24 and 30 is where you expect them to do a lot of damage. So given, you know, he had a couple of runs out last year and he did well. Um, yeah, I think this I think this is what's interesting about the Scarlets for this year is that actually, yeah, we've lost quite a few plays, but we've, we've got a lot of talent left there. And it might just be there's a lot of cream and not much milk, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, yes, I get what you mean. So, and and that's where injuries come in, and and potentially, let's not forget, you know, the agreement now is if Ospreys or Dragons or Cardiff get injuries and they need to pull players, then they get an automatic kind of like, oh, we'd like him from, you know, we'd like a Scarlets player. We've got three hookers injured. You've got three hookers fit. We'll have one of yours, you know. So it's going to be interesting to see how that's going to work and how often somebody's going to pull it. And if, you know, let's say, let's say Sean Evans goes to Cardiff and all of a sudden he's outstanding at Cardiff, and then one of their hookers is or two of their hookers are back fit, you know, how long are they going to keep him before they send him back? Is he going to want to come back? You know, there's all sorts of things like that that just kind of make me wonder what is this gonna, what's this season going to be like you know are we mm. are we going to see a lot of movements around clubs are we going to see a lot of injuries you know we're going to have Welsh players come back then disappear for the Barbarians game then they might come back again and they'll only be here for like two months and then they'll be off to Six Nations you know 
So um, we've got to fit a European Championship in the middle of that as well. So, yeah, it's uh, I'm kind of nervous for what we've got coming in, in mm. terms of, you know, are we actually going to get to the end of the season and go, well, that was shit, you know, we need to change things radically or are we going to get to the end of it and go, wow, we, that's gone so much better than we expected and we've developed, you know, just by giving them game time, we've developed a load more players like you know but yeah yeah so anyway the Cardiff game <laughs> I digress the Cardiff game yeah I, I would love to see um, yeah Johan Lloyd get a, a bit of a run out I, do, I don't know how we went against the Barbarians but you know if you're going to invest money in a player then yeah you, you, you've got to bring it it's, it's interesting that Dan Jones got man of the match against the Barbarians yeah did he how long did yeah. he play for well, that's why I don't know. I, I don't know how long was he on for and how much... I know Ewan Lloyd played at least into the second half at 10. Mm. And I, I, someone did post that he had a good game. Obviously, I can't verify that. Mm. But, yeah, but you know, Dan Jones has been very much a, a Dan Jones type of player. Uh, to be fair, he controls the game well. He's got a good boot on him. But he's not that creative... Costello and and Johan Lloyd. So I don't know. Maybe maybe he was more creative. Maybe having Johan Lloyd come in in that challenge for a position has pushed him on a little. I don't know. Don't know. Yeah. Well, the, Johan Lloyd did an interview before the Bar virus game. I think for the captain's round for the bit that Scarlett's put out. And he's they said, "Are you looking forward to the game?" And Johan Lloyd goes, "Yeah. Well, I haven't played ten in a while, so I'll be looking forward to that." And I was like. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Aren't you supposed to be our backup ten who's probably going to be playing most of the season at ten because Sam's going to be away with Wales? So that was a bit that was a bit of a, a worry. But by all accounts, he went okay, and I think he's a, a naturally gifted player. And he's I can see I haven't done a stats comparison or anything. I like um, Carrick on Twitter, but I the eye test you'd say that him and Sam are similar. So I think that's that's the important thing that you, we're not going from Sam Costello to Dan Jones who yeah. were completely different types of 10. Mm. Uh, it, if one's not there, we should have another who is who can who can play in the same way. Mm. And I think the, the advantage with Dan Jones is that you've got something up your sleeve that if you do want to change the game and play a different game and play it slightly differently, then you've got Dan Jones there that you can. You know, if we want to stick to playing open and creative rugby every game throughout the season, then people will start to work us out. People will start to close Costello or Yoannoid down. So, you know, there's there's got to be some a, a different way of breaking it up. So I think it, well, it, it it's a good way, it's a good balance between the three of them. Costello could be Wales' first choice 10 before people realise because Biggs is obviously retiring and Anscombe's off to Japan. So yeah. uh, we've, we've obviously seen with Gatland's picking Sam over Owen Williams to go to the World Cup, that says to me that Sam's the man mm. moving forward. So we we could be not seeing very much of Sam this year. He could be Wales's 10 for the Six Nations, starting every game potentially. Mm. Unless, uh, that literally, who is Wales's fourth choice 10? It, it would be Owen Williams, I guess. And he clearly, Gats has made, it, made his decision that he's... Mm. He's behind Sam. Well, you know, we've had uh, instances in the past where Scarlets have supplied two and sometimes three scrum ups, you know? Yeah. So I don't see an issue with, you know, possibly at least two of our outside offs being included. If if Yoan Lloyd starts to fulfil that potential that he has... And Gatlin suddenly goes, actually, we can play a creative game. If I've got a creative 10 and two crash ball 12 and 13s, yeah, let's go with that. Do you know what I mean? If that fits his game plan and then all of a sudden we're there going, what, okay, Dinky Jones is number one and we've got to borrow, I don't know, Dragon's third choice outside half on the bench. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I wouldn't know, mate. I'm trying to think who all the... Can I name two fly-offs at each region? Obviously, I can name all of ours, obviously. Mm. And then you got uh, Kai Evans, if he's going to be used as a 10 of the Dragons, and what's his name? Reese 
the guy who who was the guy we were all really excited about for the dragons and um I don't get excited about the dragons, so I couldn't tell you that. I know they're talking about um oh god, the the guy that left us at fifteen. Um he he had a decent couple of games. Uh not oh, Angus O'Brien. Yeah, Angus O'Brien. they're talking about putting him at ten. He's not a ten. He's a fifteen. Well, he used to he played ten for he us. Played 10 I, never for liked, us yeah. I never liked him at ten for us. I always thought he was a fifteen playing ten. Mm. I was okay with him at fifteen. Whenever he pulled on the ten jersey, I was like, oh no, oh no. So come on then, so Cardiff, right. who's, who, who's ten? I got Tinder's to beer. I've got a fact for you about Tinder's to beer. Go on then. Tinder's to beer is not his real name. What's his real name? I'm gonna get this right. <laughs> Have you not got it on a spreadsheet? Uh, uh, his full name, Marcinius Herbert De Beer. Oh, Herbert is, yeah, we're having that. Well done, Herbert. By, by the way, I know that Harley knows that because I told him. Yeah. <laughs> it would, to be honest, it would be good to see him playing against us on Friday just to see you know, what the fuss is about, because they recruited yeah. the guy from uh, Cornish Pirates as well, didn't they? Yes. To be fair, I have seen uh, Tinnis De Beer's uh, Curry Cup highlights, and he does look good. He is, he is, he had similarities to Anscombe a couple of years ago, watching him play. Obviously, it's a lower level, mm. although Curry Cup's not for mugs, mm. um, but he, he, he is good. He is good, to be fair. And then, so, right, so the Ospreys have got Owen Williams and Joe Walsh. And, oh, uh, Dan Edwards, the under-20s fly half as well, which I'm sure the Ospreys will do with what all they do with their academy players is never play him, and then he'll go and join someone in England. <laughs> then he'll go and join the Dragons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and do well. <laughs> yeah, I just, going back to us and Cardiff, I, I just think, actually, our squad is... Just a bit more settled than Cardiff. When, when you look at, yeah, just a bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, we haven't got any like willing or potentially unwilling volunteers in our squad. <laughs> but you you look at what Cardiff have been through, and they've only had a head coach in place for a couple of weeks. In in reality, do you know what I mean? But have you have you seen he's come out and said that oh, I've been head coach for years anyway? Did he say that? So he he's done an interview and he said, oh well, you know, Die was all doing all the backrooms stuff and budgets and that I was the one setting up the team so you know it's no, no different for me God, well, that's how to make your own coffin isn't it um if he was if he was head coach already then why have they given him a job because they didn't I suppose they finished this top class region didn't they Will so... Reed Will Reed is the Dragons fly out <laughs> you've been googling it haven't you I'm on their I'm on their squad page <laughs> their kit's nice I'm well jealous Oh, by mm. the way, I'm completely going off on a tangent here, but it is Scar- Scarlet's related slightly, mm-hmm. I promise. So, you know my feelings on Castor. So, they're in hot water at the moment because they do the kit for Aston Villa. Mm-hmm. And the players for Aston Villa have been complaining that they've got this new finish on the kit and it re- it holds the sweat. So, these uh, the Aston Villas, um, if you see them towards the end of the games, their kits are absolutely drenched. Mm-hmm. And the players have been saying this is affecting our performance. We, it is like the the kits, the Castor make is actively making it more difficult for us to play football. That's bad enough. The uh, Aston Villa women's team also uses the same Castor kit, and they're not happy because it's one thing if a if a bloke's kit becomes a bit wet and sticky, yeah. if a female player's kit goes that way it's a bit more of a potentially serious issue and mm. they they come out and said they, they're doing interviews with the press and stuff and saying we ain't happy we don't we don't want to wear this kit so mm. that's castor do, doing castor and i'm sure that they will do their normal response that they do every time they get a bit of criticism which is say well people just don't understand what a quality product is blah 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 there's nothing wrong with us etc <laughs> see Castor is to you as George North at 13 is to me. There's there's all these arguments that people can throw at you, but you just go, nope, 
because look, here's the evidence, and my evidence overrides your opinion. So enough. So, um, so yeah. let's let's wrap up Friday with a kind of a like we don't know who's we don't know what kind of team Scarlet's going to put out. We know it's not a competitive match. We don't know what time type of team Cardiff. We don't actually know if Cardiff have got a full squad yet. To be fair, <laughs> so there might be a couple of people walking past with with someone goes, "Size boots are you nine? We got a spare. <laughs> I got a pair of boots here. Come on, off you go." So, um, but yeah, I think it should be quite a comfortable victory for for the Scarlets, provided we put out a decent team. Uh, you know, yeah. even I think if they put out a decent team and we put out a decent team, it'll still be a comfortable victory just because we're a bit more comfortable with each other and a bit further down the line. Um, well, I think they've got they've got positions where they've got they'll be they'll be playing someone in a position that isn't their position. So mm. I don't I don't expect us to do any kind of prep or research for the game. To be honest, you know, you wouldn't in preseason, <laughs> but. I think it is say if John Fox is play, playing, he'll look up and he'll see like, hang on a minute, they've got a winger playing inside centre. I'm going to run at him, something like mm-hmm. that, you know. Yeah, tea lady at fullback. Yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, yeah. So, what kind of what kind of scoreline are you expecting on Friday? I genuinely got no i no idea with preseason. Because I should imagine it will be 15 changes at some point in the second half. I think it would, I, I can see it being like one of those low quality affairs where there's loads of drop balls and it's a bit of an eyesore, to be honest. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go Scarlet's 29, Cardiff 24, but because they scored a try within the last play of the game to make the scoreline look respectable, <laughs> is my prediction. Ah, well, the weather is meant to be horrendous, isn't it? With all the, <laughs> oh, the so that, that, there's at least that then. <laughs> but I'm, uh, the, the last time I was at Cardiff, the weather was horrendous as well. And even when you stood in the stands, it was still pissing down. It was still coming through. You go like, I'm, I'm fairly sure I should be undercover here. Like, oh, no, what, no, no. What is it that what is it that kids do for lineouts in like really, really young kids in rugby when they're not big enough to do proper lineouts? What do they do? Do they just pass it in from the side? Yes, pass in. Yeah. God, <laughs> when was the last time you saw a Welsh team, a Welsh regional team, who could do a lineout in on in the sunniest, best of days, like Scarlets <laughs> Cardiff pre-season in the howling rain? Mm. Don't even bother doing lineouts. Just do just do a tap. Just do a rugby league style lineout. Yeah, or yeah, tap and go. Yeah, it's. I, I was. I said on our pod last week with the um, Athletic Warriors. So they played their game down in uh, Milford Haven. So if anyone knows the Milford Haven second team pitch, which is now a four G pitch, it's it's literally right on the cliff top. You know, it comes in and it's 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 right on the cliff top. And when the wind is blowing up the estuary, it blows directly down the pitch. And I swear to God, we were playing there. I was watching my boy play, and they scored. And they were they took a kick into the wind, and the ball went through the posts, <laughs> turned around and came back out. And I could see the referee looking at it and going, "Uh." Well, it's got it's gone through that. It's gone through, so it must have gone through just because it didn't land the other side. I'm sure yeah, that's so not the criteria. It's gone yeah. through the H, like you know, and they were so uh, they were under pressure on their own line, five yard scrum on their own line. I swear to God, they scrum off, stuck it up in the air. So you'd think, oh, maybe that's just going to land just outside the twenty-two. The wind took it. It bounced once on our ten-yard line. A second time in the twenty-two, and then it went dead. And, and you're like, everybody stay there, boys, because it's a scrum <laughs> for kicking the ball dead hundred meters that way. It's um, it's one of the windiest pitches that you will ever see. So yeah, so good luck to the boys playing on Friday, because if it's as windy as that in Cardiff, Christ alive. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk Sunday night. Let's talk Sunday night. And so after you'd eventually returned and plucked up the courage to watch the game. What what did you actually think of the game? 
So, yeah, so I, like I said earlier, managed to catch the game about from about 15 minutes in. I was watching it on French TV, so I got the commentary in French, which was a significant upgrade from the English language commentary that I've been experiencing on ITV until now. Uh, interestingly, just on that point, uh, I was watching a Two Cents rugby video, and he said that he was using a VPN to watch the ITV coverage because as Wales started doing better and better, he wanted to experience like the elation in the uh, in the UK <laughs> coverage, and he put ITV on, and it was just like no, it was the same as the Australian coverage of <laughs> hammering Australia. But yeah, I. 40 is a lot of points, isn't it? 40, it is. 40 is like many. Like, I think mm. that's good. Like, I kind of want to go, can we just watch the game back and count them up again? Because that seems like a lot. <laughs> but it, it wasn't like we we hammered them with try after try after try. It was yeah. points after points after points after points. And I think that's where we, we've improved, possibly. We... we we pressurise them into a penalty and then we'll take three yeah. points and then we go and back just, and we pressurise again. It's cut rugby, isn't it? Take take the kicks at goal. And when you've got... Mm. I Genuinely, I think I could make the case that Wales have four four goal kickers who are in the top ten goal kickers at the World Cup with Halfpenny, Bigger, Anscombe and Costello. Mm. Because you know, obviously we see the problem with the spring box, or they've got, I think Ireland in... Uh, Johnny Sexton and Jack Crowley have got options. I think England have obviously got very good options. France and Ramos and Jalibert, Jaminet, sorry, have got two very, very good options. But apart from that, I can't think of any particularly goal, good goal kickers. I don't think, obviously, Bowden Barrett, we know he's not a particularly good goal kicker mm. for New Zealand. I think Moanga takes the kicks. I can't really think of any other good goal kickers. We've seen all the tier two things. So, yeah, so we mm. took our points. Which brings me on to a bit in the first half. I want to say it was on about 25 minutes where Australia could have kicked three to go 10-9 behind. Mm-hmm. And they went to the corner. And I, I was watching by that point And I remember thinking, that is so disrespectful. Like, <laughs> I, I I couldn't believe that they'd gone f- for the corner. I, mm. I was genuinely, I was pissed off. I was like, you, you think you're just going to kick it? So you, you could... is a good place for you to be in this game Mm. based on how it's going so far. And you're just going to kick it to the corner and think you're going to drive us over, are you? And of course, that was the line that they overthrew that Jack Morgan then Mm. booted into next week. Well, if you look look back at it, they went front. They went front of the line. But I think it's the lifter slips or falls over or gets pushed out or whatever. So he's going to lift and the guy's obviously got to jump into him so he can lift him and he's gone yeah. over the top of him and the guy, the guy lifting behind him has then followed him over the front so that's three players taken out of a line and then everybody else is peeling around the front and Jack Morgan must be sitting there going like hello this is this <laughs> is tasty <laughs> they will bug it <laughs> off around the front and left yeah. me have a ball it was yeah. I think that was indicative of the Australian night just everything went wrong for him. If it could go wrong, it went wrong. Just everything was a nightmare for him. And then so yeah, so go. Well, everything went right for us. Just every 50-50, you know, might catch it, might not catch it, caught it. You know, it's just one of those nights. So yeah, Australia were though like in the second half especially they were terrible they they offered no challenge to Wales. i've never seen a, a welsh pack at the set piece have it that easy just mm-hmm. did, like i think as simon thomas pointed out on the rap pod 66 minutes we kept our front row on and they just did what they wanted with the australians whether it was mall time or scrum time mm-hmm. just you knew if it doesn't matter whose ball it was it doesn't matter mm-hmm. you're going backwards i've just looked it up here on rugby pass apparently we only Average 2.8 points per 22 visit, which is the best part of uh, a kick, obviously. But it just felt like we were getting... Even when Anscombe mm. slotted the, the drop goal, it was like, oh, goodness sake, lads. And then just <laughs> stuck it over. I was a bit annoyed mm. that he missed his last conversion, though, because it was a bit of a sitter, let's be real. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's just been picky now. No, I just... I think you're right with the scrum. I think that's where we won it. We, we, we won it up front. Um, in In... 
set piece and in rucks because you know Beard and Rowlands were taking three men out at every ruck. You know, if if one of them was first man over the ball, they they just had the body positioning right. The drive was there. I think both of them won a turnover each just by driving over the ball. You know, no, no, this, yeah. it wasn't a jackal. It was just a straight drive over. And that's just yeah. power and determination and, and good technique. So, and, and poor technique from Australia, from standing there upright going, what's that guy doing? Oh, he's just won the ball. So, yeah, I think there was a lot of stuff there in the forwards that actually made life a lot easier for for the, certainly for the back row, for the halfbacks. It just opened up doors that we're not expecting to open. And when you've got the amount of time, I say the amount of time, you know, it's still, we're talking a few more fractions of a second, but at international level, that's a lot. Yeah. So, you know, we had time to look and see. Like Anscombe's little chip over the top um, came from, you know, Australia failed to run the pendulum around the back of 15, you know, so the, the and the blind side winger didn't come across. So we're, we're talking literally you've got a second to see that, make a decision, ship over the top and, and go, like, you know, and, and, and execute. And it, it just, that extra half a second just made that easier for him. And he could look up and go, oh, Christ, there we go. It's on, you know. So it's bits like that that I just think we we outplayed them in just about every area of the pitch, you know? Yeah, I, 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 th- I think not having Skelton was a big miss for them. I think you, you have to see it on a graph, which obviously I have made, <laughs> to, to, to see how much bigger than every other second row at this World Cup Skelton is. He is mm-hmm. like 15 plus kgs heavier than any other second row. It's mm. ridiculous. Mm. So, and obviously he was the captain as well. So he's a big leader for them. But you got to question Eddie's thing about Donaldson and, and Ben and um, Ben Carter, the the fly half, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's just he's put so much pressure on this kid, and then he drops him for the big game and moved Donaldson, who hasn't played at all at ten from fifteen and. Donaldson had been their best player at, at so 15. far in the World Cup, but at 15. Mm. Like, what, what are you doing? And I think so someone else on, a, on another pod made a really good point that moving on to Ed, the Eddie Jones thing, which I'm sure you'll, you'll want to give your thoughts <laughs> on as well. That if you, if you talk about the great, the great coaches operating in the world at the moment, you talk about Razi Erasmus, you talk about Andy Farrell, I think you could. There's an argument to say Gatland is getting back to there as well. They they put their players first and they they care about their players on a personal level. So obviously you look at how Razi makes his players feel. You can see in all the content and the things the players that put out that they're, they're happy. They feel looked after. They feel loved by their coach. Mm. I'm sure Ireland feel the same way. I'm sure that Andy Farrell is a very he's a very intimidating man. But I'm sure if he's on your side, I'm sure you feel very backed by him and Gatland has very clearly made a big effort after I think he would admit mishandling the Six Nations mm. he's made a big effort to be the father figure that I think some players in this side need where I said look you, you guys aren't crap you're good players you're talented rugby players and if you work hard if you work harder than everybody else you will win games and you can see that belief starting to grow in the players now of well, we have worked really hard and now we are winning games. So maybe mm. there's something to this. Whereas Eddie Jones, on the other hand, clearly doesn't give his players that feeling of oh, our coach has got our, got our back. Mm. All of the stories that have come out are coming out now from the England side and have come out from the Australian side previously when Eddie Jones was with Australia. Uh, is that the players go, I, don't, I never knew where he stood with him. I never knew whether he liked me or hated me. I did when he came to speak to me. I didn't know what he was going to say. I used to hide in my room because I didn't know what was mm. what was going to happen. So you can clearly see the environment that Eddie Jones creates is just not not modern. It's not what a, a high performing environment in the modern day looks like. 
and he has to take the stick for that. He has to take the, the blame for that. And I don't mean he just has to come out in a press conference and say, yeah, it's on me, mate. It's all my fault, mate. Well, okay. So we'll sack you then if it's your fault, if you're that bad by your own admission. Mm. I yeah, guess it's, it's been interesting this week to see how the Australian press uh, are actually dealing with this. Because um, I, I could... I know a lot of people are going, oh, I didn't see this coming. Genuinely, I did. <laughs> and I put my balls on the chopper on the rap podcast and I predicted a, a, a big Welsh win. I said it was going to be a record Welsh win. I didn't actually know what the record was up until then, but I said it was going to be a record Welsh win. And you could see how much trouble the Australian camp was in, like you say, from body language, from, you know, at the end of the game, they, they'd stand on their own. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they wouldn't stand yeah. in groups. They wouldn't be there together. They wouldn't be consoling. Or you might have a couple here and a couple there. But they wouldn't be together. And you'd have players walking off the pitch separately and all this kind of stuff. And, and you wouldn't see coaching team coming up. And, and the, So you could tell there was an issue. Then the stuff in the press where, you know, the press were gunning for Eddie Jones. The Australian press were gunning for Eddie Jones. Um and a lot of the Australian press tends to be people who've been involved in the game at some point and they know a lot of the players, so they get a feeling from the players. So you could just feel that it wasn't a good place to be. And at some point they were going to collapse. And if it wasn't going to be against us, it was going to be against Portugal. You know, they're heading for collapse. And I got no sympathy for it. I genuinely don't. The bit that annoys me is going, oh, world rugby needs a strong Australian team. Bollocks they do. <laughs> nobody was saying that when we were in trouble, you know, when Wales were struggling. Nobody was going, oh, we need Wales to be a strong team. No. And, you know, we taught Australia how to play the bloody game. You know, genuinely, England took the game out there, but we showed Australia how to play the game properly. You know, in the 60s and 70s, we absolutely showed Australia. We sent coaches out there. We did touring teams out there. And we helped Australia to build what they now have. And they've balls it all up. And nobody's sitting there going like, very few people are going, actually, Wales took you apart. A lot of people around the rest of the world are going, Australia collapsed. And the two were very different. And I think the, the, the two actually both things happened. We we started taking them apart. They collapsed. So, yeah, I've got no sympathy at all for Australia when they um, when they were riding high and we were not so great. They absolutely rubbed that in and and made it hurt. And I, I remember going to uh, it was a, a game in Cardiff. And Campesi scored in the last couple of minutes, and it was about fifty or sixty or nil. And I was too young to drink at the time, so I, th I think I'd only managed one pint. And we we left early. We were standing outside with our boxes. We'll go and get the bus. And just having Australian supporters, you know, in your ear, and all. we were like fifteen, sixteen-year-old kids, you know, and really having a go about how crap we were. So yeah, I got no sympathy at all for Australia about giving that back to them tenfold now, you know. So yeah, yeah. it's um, it's a good point you make about people not giving Wales any credit, and a few other people have mentioned this as well. Is that Wales are not allowed to be good? according mm. to everybody outside Wales. Like when we won the Six Nations in 2021, firstly, everyone pretends like that didn't happen. Secondly, mm. it was, oh, you got lucky, you got lucky. And then when we won all the Grand Slams under Warren Gatland, it was, oh, yeah, we used Warren Ball, crap rugby, blah, blah, blah. Uh, okay, well, Argon Yen beat us then, you know. And the, we Wales have been the most successful Northern Hemisphere team over the last 15 years. But no one wants to admit that. Mm. It's just a case of there has to be something to discredit us. There has to be a, a reason that we're not actually that good. Like, oh, yeah, yeah you 40 points to six, but you, you ain't good. They were just that bad. And yeah, they were bad. I think going back to the, the point about uh, Australia crumbling, they, there's a phrase, I can't remember who I heard it from, is that a weak leader likes weak leaders around him. So mm -hmm. if you go back to 
the the peak Welsh team, which in my opinion was the 2011 to 2013 Wales team. If Sam Warburton was the captain of that, right? But if Sam Warburton wasn't there, you had Alan and Jones. If Alan and Jones wasn't there, you had Gethin Jenkins. If Gethin Jenkins wasn't there, you had Jamie Roberts or whoever. There was about six or seven players. Ken, Ken Owens. Hmm. Six or seven hmm. players in that team who were all Wales captains and had captained Wales. Australia, once Skelton was gone and once he'd left Hooper at home and he didn't bring Cooper along for the ride, who, who were their leaders? Who, who was the guy who was standing up? I think there was a stat that Eddie had picked seven different captains in eight games. Mm. He, 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 yeah. I think Eddie knew that the players would challenge him. And, and talking about predicting it for Australia... But you you predicted rightly that it would be a bad loss for them. If you go on, on my Twitter and just search Australia and what I've tweeted about Australia, for the last year and a half, all I've tweeted has pointed out how many times they not only lose, but they get hammered. Mm. Like The Australian national team gets hammered. Their super rugby franchises, with the exception of the Brumbies, get 30, 40, 50 points put on them every single week by the, by the Kiwis and even by the Drewer sometimes. Mm. Even their under twenty side, I think their under twenty side in the summer just gone, conceded thirty plus points in every single game that they played. Mm. Like this is an endemic thing, and it makes it more infuriating that absolutely everybody, absolutely everybody, predicted Australia to top pool C. Absolutely everybody <laughs> said that Australia will top pool C and Wales will go out. Well, that's forty points to six, lads. Have that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. And I will point out once again on that, when you say absolutely everybody apart from me. <laughs> and to be fair, the other boys on the on the rap podcast as well, we all kind of most I think most of us said it was us and Fiji that would get out of the group. And it was whether or not we were going to beat Fiji in that first game was iffy as to who was going to get out of the group. So yeah, I, I said I think we we make the most of it. I think one of the most interesting games of the World Cup is now going to be Australia Portugal. I genuinely do because I think Portugal are even without the victories they they've actually played some really good rugby, and they yeah. must be looking at that Australia side going, "Hey, hey boys, boys, here we go! I think this is the one. You know, this is the scalp." and I made a prediction that Eddie Jones would be travelling home separately from the the rest of the squad because he's going to get sacked at the World Cup. That's that's my yeah. prediction. He'll get he'll be the first coach to be sacked at the World Cup, and the rest of the squad will stay on for a while, and he'll bugger off probably to Japan by the sounds of it. His safe yeah. plan. So. Just my last thing on that then. So Portugal played Australia A in the summer just gone. So this was the famous Australia A team that made up the bulk of the Barbarians team that played the Scarlets last week, mm. week before. Where the Australia A team had more caps than the Australia Australia mm-hmm. team, Wallabies. So the if I just I've got the lineups here. So some of the names. So Lonergan in the forwards for Australia, you had Bernard Foley at 10, remember him. James O'Connor at 12, remember him. Tom Wright, 15. Th- those were the players that played Portugal in Portugal um, just last month. And mm. they w- Australia won that game 30 points to 17. Australia A won that game 30 points to 17. Mm. So that's what I'm comparing it to. So I will be saying, can Eddie Jones's Australia do better than Australia A did against Portugal? <laughs> that's the question that I want answered. They have to put at least 30 points on Portugal, mm. in my opinion. Otherwise, it, it's it's an, in a way worse than the Wales defeat. Mm. I, I, I just hope, and I, and I don't know if it's going to happen, but I hope that Portugal come out all guns blazing, score a jammy try where Australian handing goes wrong and somebody falls on the ball over the line and they're 7-0 up. And then from the kickoff, a break in midfield, marvellous try, 14-0 with five minutes on the board. And I'm just like, oh my God, this this is somebody somebody phone Australia now. Let's see what's going on. Because yeah, I, I don't want to rub it in well, I do I want to rub it in, I want to rub salt in the wound because 
yeah, I've, I've got some really bad childhood memories of Australia. I've and I... seen <laughs> Australia come to the Millennium Stadium, get some kind of jammy, crappy win with Curly Beal scoring in the corner in like the 85th mm. minute or whatever it was. And then they interview the Australian captain after the game and they go, oh, that was a tough game. You nearly lost that. Give us your thoughts and go, ah, it's just Wales in it. We always beat Wales. Like, fuck mm. you, right? <laughs> <laughs> your time is over. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And I, and I genuinely hope Portugal do a job on them. I, I really do. And they've seen how to do it now. You know, they've seen now not just to win, but how to take Australia apart how to stop Australia playing and how to put a shitload of points on them. Because they they scared, you know, Portugal scared us, albeit a changed team, but they they gave us a nasty scare and they can compete if they want to. So I really hope that they bring that game when they, they're infused with it, they're built up with it, they're excited by it. They, You know, you, if you compare the two camps, and the attitude in the Australia game and the attitude uh, the Australia camp and the attitude in the Portugal camp, I'd say Portugal are more up for this game than than Australia. Hugely, and I really, hugely. Yeah. And what can what can Eddie do with selection now? What he can't drop he can't drop the rest of them. It, it, there's no one left mm-hmm. to drop. No. No. We we haven't we haven't talked about Wales very much though. So just from <laughs> from a Scarlet's point of view, I thought Gareth Davis had possibly his best game for Wales. Yeah, I, I, I thought, thought he was man of the match. I I really did think he, he deserved man of the match because kicking was absolutely decision making was on point. His defence was on point. Uh, there was one kick that he, he missed the, the catch-off, you know, it was an eyeball and he, he missed time to jump, but other than that, he was pretty much inch-perfect throughout the game. I thought he was amazing. Really did. Yeah, norm- normally you're watching Gareth sometimes and you're thinking, no, no, just, no, don't do that, no. <laughs> but when, when, when he came off and Thomas Williams came on, I, that was when I was thinking like, oh, no. Right, Thomas, see what Gareth was doing. Yeah, do, do that. that. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't don't go having any ideas. Don't have any original thought. Right. No. We, we, I know what he's like, Thomas Williams. He sometimes a bright idea pops into his head. Like, mm. don't want any of that. <laughs> Just kick it. Just okay. Do it. Yeah. Um, but... It's funny. I, I meant to say this earlier when I was watching the game, and obviously it got to like we were like five tries ahead with seven minutes to go, and the girlfriend says to me, "Oh, we've won this." Then I was like. Nope. Hang on, steady on now. <laughs> still seven minutes to go. We could very easily still lose. Yeah, it. <laughs> we, we, it's strange, isn't it, that we're we're so it's so ingrained in us about yeah. how how I think it lives in there because it's painful. How painful some of those losses have been, like when we were twenty points up against Australia or whatever, and we still find a way of losing it. And we just there's this lack of belief in supporters that we just we can't get away from and I when I said Wales were going to win I was a little bit shocked at myself I'll be honest because in, even in the back of my head I was like ah, oh, I just hope I, I hope we do oh, if we lose this now they're just going to rip me to pieces I just I'll, I'll switch Twitter off for the night like you know so, I, heard, I heard Carwin say that we're going to be the, beat the All Blacks in the semi-final. I thought that was a bit, I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 one of those bits that you know we're we're still not playing exciting and interesting and and creative rugby, but we're we're back to this bit where winning is more important than playing creative rugby. But what we did do is we played no risk rugby really really well and we're the best will in the world if you want to if you want to beat Wales now you have to play risky rugby if you come up against Wales and you go we're going to play no risk rugby then it's very much Ireland against South Africa you know two sides just headbutting each other for for uh, an hour and 20 and seeing who's still standing at the end but if you want to beat Wales now, you have to be creative and you have to have something different and do something out of the ordinary because actually we'll just defend our asses off for, for 80 minutes. Yeah. It's like you know? what Razzie said about us in that famous video. It's like these these buggers don't quit. That that's yeah. 
That's Wales. Um, mm. the, if you want my opinion on winning rugby versus uh, exciting rugby, uh, Scotland. <laughs> they, <laughs> they play exciting, interesting, lovely rugby. And they the reason that so many Scottish people are complaining on Twitter about the pool draw is because they know they're going home in, mm. in a week's time. Mm. And, and it's, it is harsh on them, but... You know, maybe if they'd have been in England's pool, it might have been different. But if they'd have been in our pool, they'd be complaining because they're up against Wales and Fiji or Wales and Australia. You know, it, 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 that's the way the pools drop. Scotland's yeah. greatest ever team finished mid-table in the Six Nations. <laughs> oh, we're not we're not going to get into some of the Scottish um, Twitterati this week have been quite. Angry, uh, and and I don't blame them. You know some of the the stuff that they they're desperate to have a good World Cup. They're desperate to get into the quarterfinals. You know, um, but the reality is is that actually the quarterfinals, with aside from whoever finishes second in England's pool, um, yeah, it's going to be a strong team. You know, yeah. You, All right. Oh, okay. All they have to do is beat Ireland. Yeah. Ireland then. Yeah. But I still think if they keep playing the Scotland way, actually they will. If they if they start playing that creative and interest because Ireland are the same. We Ireland play a, a no risk game, but they play a no risk game where actually it's a little bit more creative and because they've played it for so long. There's less risk in the creativity, if that makes sense. The the, the level of detail in Ireland's game is is I'm loath to say this it is jaw dropping at times. The the amount of because it's basically mostly the Leinster team plus a couple of guests. Um mm. that that like you say, it's a core players who play who play together so much for so little time that once they when they come into the squad, all Andy Farrell has to do is just work on details and work work on what do we do in this situation, what are we looking for, what am I looking for from you? Like look at this scrum half situation you've got Johnny Sexton who's going to be there so you either pick Jameson Gibson Park who is his club mate or you pick Connor Murray who he's played for for what 10-12 years mm. but there, there's no no bad selection Andy Farrell can't can't mess up selection so it's just the the, the level of intricacy that he's able to add to Ireland and South Africa are the same as well and the, the All Blacks used to be like this less so now France as well are a bit like it as well. Just it, 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 that's what makes those four teams a step ahead of where mm. Wales are. Wales just don't have that level of detail in our game at the moment. And I'm not sure we ever will. And I think that's probably what's driven Gatland's simplistic Warren Ball game plan is that mm. rather than, rather than try and do lots of things, let's just do a few things, but do them really well. Be the best mm. in the world of what takes no talent, as his his, <laughs> his mantra is. Yeah. Well, my friend, we've we've reached the end of another another episode. We've got uh, we haven't actually got a game to get excited about this weekend. We've got the Friday night game, um, but God knows what that's going to be like uh, with Scarlet and uh, Cardiff. I'd say probably the game of the weekend is probably Portugal Australia, but that's just my personal kind of favourite. There's a lot of really interesting games. So obviously it was Namibia versus Uruguay this evening. That was a really yeah. interesting game. Bit sad for Namibia not to get the Bonus. result mm. uh, or even a point. Mm. Uh, and there's a couple of other really just interesting, like niggly games, like Argentina Chile. Mm. Uh, obviously, it's probably going to be another one-sided, one-sided scoreline, but you know there's going to be niggle in that game, and it, you, you know that that that's going to have a bit of spice to it. So it, it's you have to look for them. Hang on, let me just get my little tracker up here and see if there's any more interesting ones. Round four, where are we? So Japan versus Samoa, that's a tight game. Couldn't, couldn't call that yeah, one potentially. Yeah. Fiji versus Georgia, that will be an interesting one. Clash of styles. But normally, when those two play together, it is a tight game. Uh, obviously, we'll be watching that one, trying to see if see what Georgia can do because I I think that they've been underwhelming 
so far and I think they'll be disappointed mm. in themselves which makes me worried that they're saving up a big performance for us <laughs> I I think that game will be more interesting by how many yellow cards and, and red cards actually come from that game I think that game is just going to be littered with high tackles and handbags at five yards and you punched me so I'm stamping on you and a little bit of off the ball I just think it would be one of those games that would be an absolute bloodbath it would be brilliant to watch but who else have we got? What are the games that we got uh, to watch? Italy versus New Zealand. So that should be... Mm. A lot of people are getting a bit excited by Italy. I think that excitement might go away very quickly. <laughs> it might be misplaced, yeah. And it, yeah. Uh, Before the World Cup, I predicted New Zealand to win it. And I have made a promise to myself that I'm not changing my prediction anymore. Mm-hmm. So, therefore... I'm, I therefore have to back New Zealand all the way, don't I? Otherwise, yeah. I'll be wrong. Yes, and we can't be having that. <laughs> the spreadsheet yeah. doesn't lie. <laughs> so I think that that's it? most of the big games. Yeah, I that's think that's pretty much it. France. Uh, this is so all of the all of the tier one teams played in week one, and mm. all, all, it, like everyone's talking about Namibia's schedule and how they've got such a bum deal from their scheduling, uh, and they're not the only one. So all of the big teams who played in week one are now rested Rest, in week yeah. four yeah so Fra- France aren't playing um, Ireland aren't playing it's just being sorted yeah. out uh, ring- playing. who's off in England's group this week then? I think England. England are off it's just poor planning isn't it just you'd have thought from just from a, a, a television point of view that they would have gone, no, we need a few. Those big games need to be dotted around a bit more. It's a type of it's a type of fixing, really, in my book. It, it's it's get, making sure that people tune in for week one, and then it's making sure that the big teams have an advantageous schedule, so they have a rest before they go into the quarterfinals. Mm. That's what it. That's what I think it is. Well, at least we can start planning for the quarterfinals, unlike some of our rivals. They can start <laughs> booking flights home <coughs> or to Japan. Right. <laughs> Hugh, uh, pleasure as always, my friend. Lovely to see you. I'm surprised that the tan wasn't a couple of shades better, but, you know. I have got a tan. I've, I've, trans- <laughs> I've promoted from translucent blue to white. That's an upgrade. <laughs> I was going to say the flat cap just cast that much shade around. Hey, that flat, cap, that flat cap saved me from sunstroke. Definitely. <laughs> oh, crikey. Right, mate, we shall talk again next week. Uh, I shall bid you farewell. And, uh, yeah, have a good weekend. Enjoy your rugby, mate. You too, mate. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Scarlet's Fever podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to us as it really helps us spread the word. You can find us on all the usual social media channels or email us on welshregionalrugbypod at gmail.com. And remember, whatever the question, rugby is always the answer. Podcast Network.